Hello and welcome to the Sacred Remembering Podcast, the place for modern women who are waking up to the truth of who they are, with me as your host, Sarah Poet. Now, if the word sacred is throwing you a little bit, that's okay. Have you had that moment as a modern woman where you went, wait, I left something of myself back there along the way? Well, if so, then you're already on a path of sacred remembering and you're actually in the right place. We know that modern women are rising, but we don't do it by fighting. We do it by remembering who we are and standing in that truth. And here in this space, we remember together through stories and tools and curiosity. And in doing so, we bring forward the place of women in our modern world. Now let's begin. Hello, hello, everybody. Episode one. Hey, I'm Sarah Poet. So I wrote a script for this first episode. I thought about it for a week. I tried to really capture every single thing I wanted to say. And then you know what I just did? I threw it away and I sat my butt down on my meditation cushion and I picked up the microphone and I thought, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to riff. So that's what I'm doing right now. I'm riffing. I'm a little bit nervous. I also do inherently trust that I know what should, would, might come out of my mouth. And um, yeah, by this time, I also understand that it doesn't have to be perfect, even on episode one. So welcome to the Sacred Remembering Podcast. This feels so good to be here with you. I invite us to take a breath from wherever you are, driving wherever you are. Let it out, even like with an audible sigh, you know, just presence yourself to this moment with me. And then here we are. And what a journey it's been to get here, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the Sacred Remembering Podcast is for modern women waking up to the truth of who they are, who we are. And I think we're all doing that. Modern women are waking up to the truth of who we are. And it's bigger than achievement. It's bigger than what we have on our resumes. It's bigger than what we accomplish in a day, where so often that's where we are looking to find our validation and sense of self-worth. The remembering that's at play now is actually much more sacred and internal and holy than that. Ah, which requires quite a bit of um, navigation because, you know, if you're anything like me from a young age, we've been taught as women, often this, you know, the, this generation of women um, to 
buy in to external knowledge sources, external authority sources, instead of our own knowing. So when I look back as like me as a little girl, there was this knowing that was inside of me. And then there was a knowledge base on the outside the world outside of me that included, you know, father, um, father's church, school. My mother was um, affiliated with schools, you know, so the, these primary forces of influence being religion and education um, and then the parental figures, you know, and, and you start to, I started to really question, well, what's the role of this voice inside of me? And there were some beliefs that developed that that voice and that true knowing, that true essence inside of me must, you know, essentially be somewhat wrong because it wasn't in alignment with what I was being told or what I was seeing. There was a lot of contradiction. So I think for a time as a young person, I really held out as that sacred rebel, you know, doing the um, rebellious teenager thing. And I did that hardcore, so much so that I ended up getting pregnant in my very first semester of college. And here we have arrived at a story. (laughs) And so I'll share it. So I got pregnant with my first child three months into my freshman year of college. And I was 10 hours from home, which I really wanted to be 10 hours from home. I was in the mountains of North Carolina and my family was in Pennsylvania. And when I had gotten pregnant, of course, unexpectedly, but to my um, relatively long-term boyfriend um, and really soulful mate at that time, I'll say, um, it was a surprise to everyone. And I went home from college after the first semester of college, packed up my dorm room, drove the 10 hours home, really kind of unsure what to expect. And it was pretty apparent um, from the beginning that I had essentially two options, um, have the baby and keep the baby or have the baby and the baby be adopted. And the kind of pressure was on um, adoption. And, you know, there was a part of me that was like, that makes sense too, you know, so like, I'm not blaming anyone and you're 18 and pregnant and the shame sets in, you know, sexual shame, um, like body shame here. My body was growing and doing things that, um, other girls my age, 18 years old, wasn't happening. And yet I had this really, really sacred experience with the pregnancy that I didn't talk about with anyone. I didn't share. It was just her and I, um, I, there was this Indigo Girls song about this little fugitive. And I actually listened to that all the time. And it's the, the beginning lyrics where I'm harboring a fugitive and, uh, some other lyrics where she lives in my soul and drinks of my wine, and I give my last breath to keep us alive. I feel that right now as I say it. And so I just listened to that song and a couple other iconic songs of the time. And I remembered this ancient remembering of being a woman that was inside of me that I didn't know where it was coming from. 
I didn't even know that it was ancient. I just like, it was just happening and I was reveling in it and cherishing this time that I had with my daughter while I would have her. And truly, you know, it was, it was this ancient, like sacred feminine wisdom. And it would take me, you know, another like 14 years to learn that language because, well, I'll share too that, um, I named her Anna Faith. That's not her name now, but her name on her birth certificate that I filled out was Anna Faith. And I didn't come up with that. It was a name that came into my mind and it felt like something was telling me to name this child that. And it was, you know, call it the voice of the soul or God, or it, it felt feminine in nature. But I didn't know what this voice was. And when I got that instruction, you know, name her Anna Faith in those quiet moments that I was savoring with this child, I argued. (laughs) I argued. I thought, okay, Anna is kind of nice. But faith, faith was something that was my father's. Faith belonged, you know, to me at the time, faith belonged in this church that I had already recognized. I recognized it as a, as a young person that women didn't have a place, a rightful place in the church. Uh, people of color didn't have a place in the church that I was raised in. Um, and I would be made to sit in these pews for 16 years. And I read a lot of the Bible like in those pews. And it was this tiny little Methodist church in Southern Pennsylvania. And as I read the scripture and as I heard the sermons, you know, I thought, huh, well, environment and women seem to be displayed here, portrayed here as dominion. And that that rebel part in me was activated. And looking back, I did talk about it, but I wasn't necessarily conscious of what I was attuned to, right? Uh, but it, But there was a discord because it just didn't feel right to just swallow the information that was given and just obey. It just, uh, I, I know that many listeners know that discord. And it's not like I'm not an anti-religious person. I'm not an anti-Christianity. I'm not even going to go into um, that right now because that's written. That's for each person. But but this is not that. So coming back around, you know, when I got that instruction to name her Anna Faith, Faith to me belonged in my father's church because that's what I had been exposed to, and that's you know that was the level of my exposure at that time, and so. I said, what? <laughs> what voice um, are you sure? And the, the distinct instructions were name this child Anna Faith. And so I did. And um, I really do think that I then went on a faith journey for, for the next many, many years, like almost two decades. But that faith journey wasn't necessarily a conscious one because what happened was after my child was placed for adoption, um, which was also divine, right? Um, 
And I, I knew that to some extent at the time, although the loss was incredible. But the, the formula for healing and success, actually, there wasn't a formula for healing. It was more replaced with a formula for success. Placed before me or assumed before me was go make something of yourself. And what got lodged in my head was this message of, well, you're not enough yet to raise this baby. You're not old enough yet, wise enough yet, motherly enough yet, whatever that means, rich enough yet, married enough yet. And so go out and achieve all of those things and then you'll be worthy of motherhood. Now, no one said that to me directly, but all of the messages and, you know, this like perfect storm sort of cocktail of beliefs inside of me that manifested this way. And that, and, and it was like deep, deep, deep in my subconscious, like you are not worthy of this beautiful, beautiful nine pound, big old, beautiful girl. And so go make something of yourself so that you're, so that you're worthy. And I'm going to pause here because what I'm telling is a, is a pretty big story. And I can just feel that many listeners are going to have a story where somewhere along the way you doubted your own worth and certainly not uncommon as women. So I set out about achievement and went to school, went to school again, and then eventually went to school again. And um, along the way, I was always balancing the, the really soulful nature that is me, um, the, <laughs> the heart center, the wanting to help humanity. You know, I majored in environmental studies as an undergrad. I went on to work with kids in schools and gardening in schools and at-risk youth and special education. And, you know, then I just went deeper and deeper into um, mindfulness and education and trauma and education and school reform and character education. And I made uh, a really beautiful career in education. I'm so grateful for every step along that way. Um, and I was super, super blessed um, to have a second child, which was always the goal, um, you know, make something of myself so that I could be a mother again. And then I was blessed with my son, my sacred, sacred son. And so, yeah, on this path, there was, there was this wake up call. Okay. So oftentimes I'm asking women, you know, <laughs> how did you remember? Are you in an active remembering awakening? Did you have like a moment where you said, oh, I left something of myself back there. And mine was after my son was born and um, I had married my best friend from high school and we were like 10 years into a relationship or something like that. And um, we lived in the woods and I cooked. <laughs> I cooked every meal from scratch. I um, had a fully organic home. I had an Etsy shop. Um, 
in addition to going to school for a second master's degree for school leadership, um, I made heirloom quilts, uh, which is a whole other story. (laughs) Um, But I was like making a home. I was making a home so hardcore and achieving so hardcore that I was so busy and I was actually totally wearing myself out. It hadn't caught up to me yet, but I was. And um, I was standing in the yard with my son and my body already had a lot of signs of pretty serious anxiety, um, you know, fear of social situations, even though I was like a powerful badass professionally, felt a lot of fear in my body. And we were outside because in my moments with my son, especially as a young person, I knew how lucky I was to be his mama. I knew that that's exactly where I wanted to be. And that was the one place where I really, really held that sacred, sacred time. So he and I were in the woods and he was playing in the little mulch chips. And um, to my memory, a sunbeam literally hit my face, like clouds parted moment. (laughs) The clouds parted. And the sunbeam hit my face and I thought I left something of myself back there because even though, you know, I had achieved, I was looking around and I was like, huh, I had climbed the the achievement ladder and done the things and I have the letters behind my name and yet there's something of me that has been lost. And that was eight years ago. And I am telling you what, I was so right. (laughs) I was so right. There was something of myself that I had left back there. And the quest that I went on after that um, has certainly changed my life. And in this episode, I I won't necessarily go into all of that with the detail that I have gone into some of my stories so far. I really like telling stories. So maybe I'll come back with some independent episodes in the future. Most of the episodes are going to be interviews with women who have also walked a path back to themselves. Yeah, there's so much, there's so much here and that what happened after that. So I'll come back to, to some of those deeper stories because it is truly amazing the depth of remembering that I've been able to touch and and still I know there's so much more. And so, um, you know, I tell the story in my TEDx about um, remembering that there was this thing called the sacred feminine and that that remembering came from inside of me um, because I realized while I was achieving, I was doing so in this really pushy orientation that was really wearing out my body. And and then I realized like, oh, this is an inherently masculine orientation. And these things just started to arise at me. Like I wasn't really learning them anywhere. They were just these things that uh, were coming as realizations. And then I would look into it and I would discover the information. <laughs> as is pretty typical on a path of sacred remembering, you know, as you're waking up to the truth of who you are, the next resource will appear. I hope that this podcast is presenting to some of you that way, actually. I- trust that that's why I'm doing it, uh, why my soul is having me doing it. So 
I went on this walk of remembering the sacred feminine, remembering um, the sacred masculine, remembering that relationship. It was wild. I had, um, (laughs) at the risk of you thinking I'm crazy, I had five soulmate relationships in a row after my divorce. It was like, boom, 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 like one after the other, after the others. I can talk all day about soulmates and how um, we learn about ourselves through those sacred relationships that might even look like they're the one that's like meant to last, but it's really a soul remembering So more on that later, more on the masculine feminine later, more on soulmates later, Um, pop a comment as you're watching, as you're listening to this, wherever you're listening to this, you know, say what resonates for you in this episode of what you'd like to hear more of, and we'll bring on some guests on those topics. So the more and more and more I searched and searched and searched for what was, you know, like ultimately myself, <laughs> ultimately the relationship with the sacred and with my own, what I call soul, you know, people talk about higher self, soul, like whatever you can be, you can have whatever belief system, you can have whatever questions you want. Like this, this space really is for everyone and it's for curiosity and inquiry. But the more I tried to follow a path that would have gained (laughs) achievement or worth from any other source other than myself or my own relationship with the sacred, was my soul was just not going to permit me to do that. And so now I'm, I don't know where this path is going to take me, but I know my devotion. And my devotion is to remembering the sacred as it moves through me. My devotion is to remembering my wholeness as the invitations appear to me. My devotion is to rise from the true core essence of who I am rather than fighting to prove who I am or prove my self-worth to others as I did forever. Um, well, for nearly four decades. So, welcome. Welcome to this path of sacred remembering. I trust that you're in the right place, that we're all in the right place. I trust that the right questions will arise because there are no wrong questions. I trust that we will become more and more comfortable in our own inquiry as women as we touch into these places and allow ourselves to ask the questions, to allow ourselves to know what we know, know who we are, and to allow that information to settle into us, 
like into our bones, into our cells. So often our minds are so, so, so busy because, yeah, um, earmuffs here. If you have kids around, I do swear a lot. But most of the the societal programming about prove your worth outside of yourself through achievement, I mean, it just creates a mind fuck. It just keep, creates a... Um, you know, you're, you're not worthy until you know something. And, and in my pursuit of knowledge and education to prove what I knew in order to prove my worth, it's like, there's no end to that. There's no end to ever finding myself in that kind of formula. And so to, to come back to self and to say, you know what? I'm going to trust this thing called intuition. You know what? I'm going to trust that exactly what's arising might have more wisdom in it than I have ever yet given credit to. So I'm not here to define what sacred is or to define your path or to define what religion is or God is or anything like that. I am here to say, hey, women, the sacred is you. The sacred is you and you are it. The sacred is in you. Your soul is sacred. Your divine feminine is sacred. Your divine masculine inside of you, because we all have both, is sacred. Your ideas are sacred. Your body is sacred. Your desires are sacred. It is all of the God source. It is all, all of the sacred stuff. And when we are conditioned to believe that that lives outside of us, we're lost. And so as we reclaim the sacred feminine now on the planet, which is really, really happening, <sighs> vastly happening, it's so beautiful. And, you know, like women's movements are rising up everywhere and, and have been for a few decades. But in a lot of those movements, there has been a lot of fighting, like fighting against, fighting for worth, fighting men. And in this space, we don't actually do that anymore. New, <laughs> new game. What we're going to do is remember the power of who we are by rising within ourselves and by doing it in community of women. And that, my friends, that right there is all of the alchemy, permission, and uh, platform that we need. Because when we know that the sacred is inside of us, when we know that we are inherently worthy, and when we see one another as that, as women, see ourselves as that, see one another as that, as women, then Truthfully, the whole game changes. And you just have to trust me on that one because I could geek out and tell you a lot about the quantum physics and a lot about um, masculine, feminine, and the rebalancing that's happening on the planet right now. And that is going to be for another day. And so trust me, trust yourself. <laughs> trust what you're feeling right now. And I am going to pause here for a moment and see if anything else wants to be said for this first episode. Be 
because the answers arise in the in the quiet spaces, right? So I want to give thanks and gratitude for you for being here, for listening to this first episode, these first episodes, and I encourage you to stay in the conversation, stay engaged, and I've created a few things um, for you so that that can happen. First of all, this podcast is for you, so go ahead and subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. That's super helpful. I encourage you to send it personally to a friend to say, hey, I think you'd really like this. I like what I'm hearing here. That would be amazing to grow the community. And then everyone head on over to Facebook. My practice is called Embodied Breath. So you can search Sarah Poet, embodied breath. And then there is a new sacred remembering private group in Facebook that's completely free to you that after you've listened to the episode, you can go over there and talk about what came up for you as you've um, heard any episode at all, heard the dialogue, heard the questions, and then ask questions, request conversations, really get engaged. This is this is for you. This is for a community of women waking up to the truth of who they are. When I was waking up to the truth of who I am in the beginning stages, because I'm still doing it, in the beginning stages, I totally thought I was alone. I totally thought I was alone. So this is for like, you know, professional women who are questioning, well, you know, noticing gender disparities, um, you know, fighting for equality in the workplace. This is that conversation, right? This is like, oh, how do I be a woman in these spaces? Well, what we're doing is we're we're anchoring in the sacred feminine into all of these spaces. So this isn't some wake-up call to be really scared of because in fact, um, your life does not have to flip on its head in order for you to follow a path of sacred remembering. I have a lot to say about that as well. So this is for modern women. This is for, uh, this is for you. You know, if, if you are going through any questioning or awakening, if you're like, yeah, this word sacred is kind of not in my vocabulary. Like, I don't know what Sarah's talking about, but I kind of resonate. Yeah, that's perfect, right? Because we are remembering. We are remembering the, the feminine, the archetype and, um, and who we are. I've talked about that. So this is for you. I encourage you to use your voice. I encourage you to stay connected, share the episodes, get involved. Um, I can be found right now at yourembodiedbreath.com and sarahpoet.com. My email address is yourembodiedbreath at gmail.com. If you ever want to reach out personally, you sure may. I love helping women in all capacities on their path of sacred remembering your unique path is so worth it. Women, this is our lives. This is our life and we're on the planet at this sacred time together. So let's do this thing. Thank you so much for being here. So much love. And I'll talk to you in episode two. Hey, it's Sarah. I believe that every woman has a truth that she's not yet telling and that to own that truth changes and even saves her life. 
I have built a practice to help women own their truths, and at sarahpoet.com, you'll find trauma-sensitive tools, practices, meditations, and a new e-course for shifting from silence to owning your sacred truth. All of my work is trauma-informed and yet helps to heal the trauma and build your core capacity to live in your own essence. I'm available for one-on-one support in one-hour sessions or longer-term coaching increments. You can schedule a 15-minute consultation to tell me how living in your silence about what is true for you is impacting your life. Together, we remove the barriers to your authentic and sacred self and help to heal the historical trauma of what it has meant to be a woman on the planet at this time. And you know what? Everything changes when we own the truth of who we are and follow the path of sacred remembering. I believe that it is the formula for changing everything from personal to global change. Book now at sarahpoet.com. This is Sarah Poet of Embodied Breath, and thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I'm curious, what was your biggest takeaway? Remember that you are not alone on the sacred path, and women are rising now together. You can visit my website, sarahpoet.com, for more tools and inspiration to support your sacred remembering path. Please be sure to check the show notes, subscribe to this podcast, share with a friend, and leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. I love to hear from you. Stay connected. And here's to your path of sacred remembering.